Hello, this is Chris Masterjohn, and today we'll be mapping niacin on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on how to use the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be continuing my conversation with Chris Masterjohn on niacin. If you're just tuning in, be sure to go back and listen to the first part of this discussion in the previous episode, where you can also be sure to learn more about Chris and his many accomplishments, all of which make him a leader in the field of nutritional sciences with a depth of information as he'll continue to share with us here. Let's get right back to it. Niacin. So if we back this up, Chris, from pellagra and look at the fact that we have those Ds, the dermatitis, the dementia, and the diarrhea, it does bring us back to, for all of us, mind, skin, gut health, correct? Yeah, I think, you know, we recognize that the skin, mental health, and gut are all connected. And yes. the symptoms often cluster together. And you have to realize that those are the three Ds of pellagra, right? right? And so you might not have clinical pellagra, but you might have poor niacin status. Like if you look at those three Ds, I think the reason that they're connected is that most of the things niacin does is very slow turnover rate. Like NAD, NADH, NADPH, NADP plus, you can go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You never lose the niacin, but neurotransmitter release, DNA repair, and telomere lengthening are the three things that irreversibly hydrolyze NAD plus, and that's going to lead to a much higher turnover and need, right? And so neurotransmitter release, your brain's doing that all day long, all the time, right? So I think that's why the brain is vulnerable. And then the skin and the gut are the two things that are outside your body. Right. And outside your body, you have no quality control. Absolutely. Right? If you look at the stuff in your blood compared to the stuff you poop out, there's so many things that are in your food that you are just not allowing to come into the body. Yes. And if you get a tiny 0.5% absorption of it, you immediately get rid of it, right? Yeah. And just look at the cell turnover, right? Yeah. The cells at the top of the microvilli in your intestines last two to three days and you get rid of them. Why? Probably a huge part of it is they're just exposed to so much junk that you can't have a hundred year old intestinal cell because it's being assaulted right. all day long all right? day long the biggest stressor in the body eating and then your skin too right like right. how often are you exfoliating skin cells from the top layer of dead skin like all the yeah. time right? right those three things are so vulnerable in pellagra because those are the things where you're constantly hydrolyzing nad plus either to support constant neurotransmitter release or to support constant recycling and repair processes from the constant environmental assaults of the two surfaces that are on the outside of your body technically. And so when you look at why are those tied together, well, it's probably part of it is poor niacin status. And then, you know, if you want to be skeptical and say, well, who really has poor niacin status? Well, look, just aging is associated with declining levels of NAD+. Just obesity is associated with declining levels of NAD+. And that's because we are constantly repairing ourselves from damage. And if we increase that damage through aging, obesity, or disease, 
we're going to lead to more breakdown of NAD plus for repair processes. Oh, and one thing I didn't mention and should have, the dermatitis of pellagra, the giveaway of that is that it's sun sensitive. The reason sun makes it come out is that it's caused by not repairing your DNA in response to DNA damage from normal sun exposure, which means that all of us, if we just go outside for five minutes, are hydrolyzing NAD plus to repair our DNA from the damage that was done by going outside. There are also rare genetic defects in the enzymes involved in that DNA repair. And in the severe defects, the only way to stay alive is to be wrapped in a sunproof bubble. My girlfriend is in medical school, biochemistry class. I was helping her study and she had pictures of these people. They look like they're in spacesuits because the slightest amount of sun exposure does irreversible damage that they cannot repair at all, right? And so if you have 20% declining NAD, you're not like them. It's just a testament to the fact that the only reason that we're not like that is because we're always burning through high amounts of NAD plus to just support being able to go outside. To repair that much. So if we're to go to food, just as a first step, you mentioned the protein and the dietary needs talking about the people on the street that we see in New York City or elsewhere. What other foods can we be thinking about so that we are repleting that intake that we need all the time? We could talk about foods and we can talk about principles. A couple principles here are that in nutritional yeast, which is a good source of niacin, and in animal foods, the niacin is fully available, but in coffee, in grains, and in the seeds, it is not fully bioavailable. And in coffee, you need to roast the coffee. So light roast, freeze niacin, dark roast doubles the amount of free niacin, and Italian heavy roast, like espresso roast mm. coffee, triples the amount of niacin you release yeah. in that. In grains, sprouting is a little helpful, and yeast fermentation is a little helpful, but you really want a long sourdough ferment and ideally coupled to sprouting, or get this, or you just need 3.5 grams of baking soda for 100 grams of flour and you'll free all the niacin. So you can make scones or something and just the baking soda in the recipe will free the niacin. Those are the principles. But in addition to getting enough protein, which is like a half a gram to a gram of protein per pound of body weight, then we also want enough niacin. I actually made a list in my Vitamins and Minerals 101 course, I made a list of five tiers of niacin to uh, break it down into how much food you need to eat. So tier one gives you enough niacin for a whole day in one single serving. So this is like a niacin superfood. Eat one serving and you're done. That's yellowfin or shipjack tuna, anchovies, liver from beef, lamb, or pork, and unfortified nutritional yeast. Of course, you can also get fortified nutritional yeast. Fortified nutritional yeast has everything in it, but unfortified nutritional yeast is naturally rich in niacin. It's not naturally rich in some of the other B vitamins. Then tier two gives you enough niacin for a day in two servings. That includes peanuts and peanut butter, the livers of veal, chicken, and turkey, most fresh meat products from typical farm animals and game if they are lean cuts, but not if they're very collagen-rich cuts and not if they're very fatty cuts. Uh, certain fish, and that includes canned fish or fresh, bluefin tuna, salmon, mackerel, yellowfin, halibut, American shad, sturgeon, cod, mahi-mahi, and bluefish, and certain seeds, hemp, chia, and sunflower. You start going down, you start having to need to eat a lot of these foods. So tier three gives you enough niacin for a day in three to five servings. That's a very substantial amount of food that you need to be very mindful of. That includes most of the fish that I didn't already mention. That includes sesame seeds and tahini, pumpkin and squash seeds, pine nuts, almonds, chestnuts, flax seeds, peas, most of the other cuts of meats. 
So the ones that are more fatty or right. the ones like tongue that are not as muscle meaty. Many mushrooms like white portobello, shiitake, oyster, and crimini. And tier three also includes coffee if it's Italian heavy roast coffee and it's brewed with at least 10 grams of coffee per cup. So if you like weak coffee or you like light roast, you're not in tier three. Tier four are foods that you can bulk up on without really hurting your niacin status, but they're, you know, like tier three was you needed three to five servings a day. Like tier four, you just need to make your whole diet these foods if you're actually trying to make right. get enough niacin. These are more just like things like you can have good niacin if you got your niacin from the other tiers. You can eat as much of this stuff as you want. So these are things like most beans, most crustaceans, processed meats like deli meats and bacon and things like that, white potatoes, sweet potatoes, tomatoes, kale, cabbage, most whole grains that are processed in the ways that I said before, right? Sprouted, fermented. Yeah, sprouted and fermented or baking soda. But think back to what I said before about pellagra. Pellagra was southern low-protein diets filled with unprocessed corn. I'm telling you now that if you process the corn to fully release the niacin, you can eat that corn to your heart's content and not have your niacin status hurt if you ate enough niacin from the other foods in the higher tiers, right? So even if you even if you process the grains that way, all you're doing is allowing yourself to eat them without robbing you, without displacing critical niacin. And the other types of coffee, if you don't like Italian heavy roast, then the top of tier four has dark roast. The bottom of tier four has light roast. Again, if you make it 10 grams of coffee per cup, like if you like weak coffee, just forget about it. It's, it's not bother with it. Then tier five is foods that you can only bulk up on if you met your niacin requirement from the first three tiers. Like you can't mix tier four and tier five foods and come out on top. And tier five foods is basically like everything else that wasn't in the other lists, except sugar, fat, and enriched flour. Enriched flour, like I have to mention it, I don't recommend eating white flour, but it has enough niacin added to occupy tiers two or three, and that is the main reason why pellagra is not the norm right now. Most Americans eat 60% of their diet as enriched white flour, and so you have to be mindful that you take someone in and they're like, what do you eat a, a day? I eat six sandwiches made with white flour bread. That's six pieces of bread made from enriched white flour. You take that out and you replace it with whole grains. That person's niacin status is taking a deep nosedive. So when you take white flour out of the diet, yes, it's a good thing to do that. But you have to realize that that person was the beneficiary of the nutritional establishment who put into white flour Right. Like white white flour is a public saving program. them. Right. You know? Right. So if that's you, what they're you, you eating. Gotta, you got to look at what's tier one, tier two, tier three, if you're going to take the white flour out. And then finally, sugar and fat don't have niacin. I'm not saying you have to eat a low, low fat diet, but fat doesn't have a lot of nutrients. There's a handful of vitamins that are higher in fat and fat helps you absorb those things. But if you're eating a 60% fat diet, you just push 60% of your niacin containing foods out of your diet. And you need to start looking at tier one, tier two in order to get your niacin in. If we're looking at supplementation, are you looking at that through a targeted supplement that you'd be recommending practitioners look at or going food first? Or are there herbs or anything else we could be bringing in besides addressing the diet, which seems like diet first? There's a lot we could do there with what you just shared. It depends on your perspective, right? So one thing you might want to do is just like if you're making a multivitamin, you probably want to put in enough niacin to make sure someone's not having a deficiency. 
efficiency. So I just made a, a custom multivitamin for my girlfriend for our anniversary. Oh, and that's I put, very sweet. I put, I put, <laughs> I put, uh, I put 50 milligrams of nicotinamide mononucleotide in it. I calculated to yield the equivalent of 20 milligrams of niacin, which basically covers the needs. But I put NMN in there because it makes NAD plus better than it better than the other forms do. But like if you're just trying to prevent a deficiency, like 20 milligrams of any type of niacin is going to be fine. If you're trying to biohack your way into anti-aging or you're trying to like solve a really bad clinical issue involving low NAD plus, the nicotinamide riboside or nicotinamide mononucleotide would be the supplement of choice because it makes NAD plus better. Beautiful. I want to ask one more question about aging in terms of this web of interactions. If we look at women and estrogen and declining levels of estrogen, is there a connection there that we might see to the dementia and hormone status? Estrogen increases the synthesis of niacin from tryptophan. Mm -hmm. And my perspective is that women need more niacin than men. Right. But if they eat a lot of protein, they need less preformed niacin than men do hmm. because they're better than men when they're exposed to high estrogen at making niacin. In fact, in men, there's no regulation of the pathway at all. And it seems like just a way of getting rid of tryptophan. Women, it seems like there's a regulated role to support the niacin status of the baby and the mother during pregnancy, which is when you're chronically exposed to high levels of estrogen. Mm -hmm. But women are always exposed to higher levels of estrogen than men. Yeah. And, you know, the area under the curve with uh, including the peaks in the menstrual cycle is going to be quite a bit of extra estrogen that you would have as a premenopausal woman that you would not have as a postmenopausal woman not on hormone replacement therapy. And so you're going to have declining niacin status because of that almost certainly because certainly with higher levels of estrogen, the tryptophan in your diet from protein is always supporting your niacin status. And if your estrogen levels tank, that source of niacin is going to be gone. And if you're only getting the same amount of niacin you're getting before, you're just going to have to have less niacin status, coupled with the fact that NAD plus levels decline with aging in general. And right. That's true. And men as well. Presumably, that would be truer with women for that reason. But another point to make is that you only benefit from the estrogen to the extent you're eating enough protein. And I would say that it's very common for premenopausal women to not eat enough protein. Such good points and so many clinical pearls in this conversation. I'll be sure to link to the Vitamins and Minerals 101 course so we can all dive in and get more information. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, Andrew. It was great to be here. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The 15-Minute Matrix team includes music by my son, Gilbert Nakayama, and Carla Schaefer on sound production, as well as Renee Hunt, Natalie Merrill, and Christine Shook. You can visit us and hear more episodes at 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified each time there's a new podcast episode, please go to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. We'll be sure to drop into your inbox with a short reminder that a new episode is ready for you. You have an open invitation to email us. We want to know who you'd like to hear on the podcast and what you'd like to see mapped on the 15-Minute Matrix. You can always email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. 